Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who is fully dressed in his garden with me. We are alone again, so obviously the bromance is kicking in quite heavily. Yeah, that's why we're um, outside. That's why we're outside. Why we're outside. I can shout for help. Keep it cool us down so we don't get on heat too much. We are cooks anyway. You guys know that already, but um, that was ultra cool. <laughs> We've been here for 45 minutes working out this sound equipment that we've got that's allowing us the freedom to yeah i feel like I've, I, I feel like i've fully dressed got a new type of surfcraft it's as if somebody's put us god forbid on a foil yes and we've spent literally metaphorically speaking we've just wiped out half the line out taken a few heads off <laughs> <laughs> i feel like mark zuckerberg yeah. on a foil trying to work this yeah. technology out <laughs> It's full on. That's how and, kooky we And thank got. God for YouTube, because I was on YouTube flicking around there. Yeah. And actually, that's a lovely look. That's a, we're outside right now. What a great crow over there. Uh, you might Ooh. not pick that up on the sound, but... It's like an episode of Spring Watch, isn't we're it? We're surrounded by nature right now, which is a lovely, actually a lovely sound backdrop to what we're doing anyway. But thank goodness for YouTube, because we found some great little videos that helped us out along the way. And um, yeah. Guys, we're here, and hopefully this is better than last week. Yeah, because apparently I was in one ear, you were in the other, which is everybody's <laughs> worst nightmare. <laughs> oh, that could it go a like lot a of places. It was like a horror show. Yeah. But there you go, we're back, and hopefully this sounds pretty good. Yeah. Whether the content's any good is up for negotiation. Up for negotiation. anyone's guess. It is indeed. But there we go. Well, at least you've been surfing, because yeah. I've been locked down because of... Um, we're not talking about it on this show, but some nasty bug that's going around. The kids yeah. have had it. So yeah. I've had to test and look after people and all sorts of things. But all is back to normal now and I'm I'm out and about and there's no waves. <laughs> I, oh, buddy, I know. When you went into lockdown, that's lockdown. When you went into isolation, yeah. shall we say, your own version of quarantine, whatever you want to call yeah. it. I did look at the forecast and think, oh, mate. Hard luck gutted for you yeah because it did it just we get wind swell here and it can be actually really good it can be really well formed surf once it gets going once you get the right ties like anywhere any spot in the world really but it did all sort of come together for about 10 days mm. not every day by any means but there were a lot of good days and the thing with it was it was a couple of things one not as enjoyable without having you in there it's just the camar oh, camaraderie i should, I should of, hope you would so, say that of course i'd say that didn't stop you. Mostly so I can't take the piss of your Hitler haircut in the water. That's the thing I miss the most. But no, obviously seeing you shred and do cutbacks and spray me in the face. We've covered that before. Oh, uh, yeah. We won't be getting Steer you spraying clear. me in the face anymore. But it was actually a reminder of how much I love that puddle jumper. Because mm. when you surf fat waves, slow waves, mushy waves, that board does something special. And I was in the water on one of those surfs and Liam if you had been in it would have been honestly this is making me smile as I say this so there were nine of us in yeah six on puddles and I didn't realize so Matt Smith who we talked about on the show before great yeah. friend of the show and a shredder great shredder phenomenal surfer riding his puddle fine myself Ollie Pine friend of the show etc there was two other lads who I didn't know they were riding puddles I thought oh my goodness and there was another guy Tom great yeah. friend of the show too yeah. he was running his puddle there was another chap called pete who i've met before in the lineup but never got his name yeah friend of matt's has a puddle yeah. based on matt's recommendation you know now matt biolis if you are listening not one thank you from biolis we've had nothing yeah that's all i'm saying not even a, a new 60 yeah shipped over from <laughs> the states fresh with a new glass job <laughs> we're selling loads of your bars here buddy <laughs> he, he's still and saying it though who the hell are these guys? The mindful what? The mindful fuckers? What are they doing? But basically, it's um, it's a great board. The thing about surfing is you're never going to be on a perfect board. And we've said that many times. Perfect is ephemeral in all forms of life. Yeah. All areas, not forms of life, all areas of life. I think the thing is, with surfing, the search for that is so much of the joy, though, because we know it's ephemeral. We know we can't really achieve what we call the perfect ball because like for example with the puddle jumper where it falls short is when you're going more vertical on the wave on a better wave on a wave that's curvier and even on the days where it's mushy in Sidmouth you still do get vertical pockets where you would suddenly then want to be on a different board for that moment but of course then another moment later being in the puddle is a really good thing what we're doing though however 
is going on that journey because it's so much fun. Discovering, yeah. that's the big word. It's the word is discovery. How many things in life are already done, already discovered, already just parked away where you don't have any more adventure? And that's what makes surfing so special because it's a constant, it never will end. You will be 90 years old, hopefully one day listening to this podcast because maybe we'll be here in 50 years time still recording, but you will be listening to this show and even then being reminded, like we all need, that there is no such thing as the perfect board or the perfect wave. You're just on a journey. It's a constant journey. And we, you know, it's something we can't say on the show enough is it is about if you're having a great time while you're out there, whatever you're riding, except foils and stand-up puddles. <laughs> I'm joking. Anytime Liam's safety I'm, I'm is slightly in jeopardy. You would have hated it then on one of the days. I'm joking. There, there were kite surfers out, dude, and there were four of them coming around my head and oh my god yeah ah, what not, been, not even not, considered those not have been your favorite but yeah i mean if you're having a good time you're having a good time and the puddle jumper is a fun machine isn't it on those sloppy waves one thing i'm noticing weirdly though as well you know this is a progression project as much as anything else for both of us in mind body and like stoke and happiness levels and whatever else you want to call it but as my surfing bit is start to progress as i've often said on this thing i've been beginning trying to learn to surf for like 20 years right and i think the last three years have really kind of accelerated some of that but there's never a final destination but the thing i've started to notice with boards which hadn't hit me before is the requirement for rocker because a lot of our grovelers are very flat rockered boards and then when you start to hit more critical waves it's for the first time i'm going ah right okay my nose is in the water and i don't want it to be and it's starting to cause me a problem on this uh, on this wave so it started to sort of make me think about the kind of surfboard design that i would like to be involved in as well which is which is great and that's all part of the learning curve right? massively and i had that the bristol wave i was there and a big shout out to jim edmondson who is a lovely human being what a great guy to meet and um he and i did some training together on his hip and then we did some surfing together and it was really really, really good fun and i was on the intermediate setting mm -hmm. this is by the way a wave pool to anyone who's listening to this outside the uk it's called the bristol wave it's our main wave park in this country other, other than snowdonia it's the wave garden technology. But it's the wave garden, yeah, that's right. So it's a proper wave that comes in, isn't it? That's right. And um, basically, I thought, right, well, I'll go intermediate will obviously be puddle. Yeah. Because it's waist high, sort of getting towards chest high. But the thing with that wave is really interesting is this. You take off and you get a really slow but lovely sort of wall at the start. It's the only wall, really, that you can carve on, on mm -hmm. the entire wave. Because after that, it's just a race down the line. Whether you decide to do a floater, do a lip tag a slash off the lip, a sort of carve or whatever. They're all very, very tricky maneuvers to get in on a board that is fat and wide because you just don't quite have the response out of it. You can't get the response. But the thing with it was the initial slow bit, the cutback, was better. Yeah. So my carve, my initial carve set up my wave better. My flow was there. And even my brother remarked, who was there and he was watching, he said he loved the look of the puddle on the, on the wave. And what I did in the end was, was absolutely love the session. I, was, I had such, such a good time. But the thing that I did was be hard on myself for not being able to gouge. Like I like to be able to really lay rail in yeah. towards the end of that wave where you get all this speed you generate through the barrel section and then be able to put a huge whack in off the top. So I, ch I chose the shortboard. Went on the shortboard. This is for the session straight after. And it went from the intermediate to advanced, mm -hmm. which is a slight step up. I thought, great, let's go on the shortboard and, and, and have fun on that. Now on that one, <laughs> it's amazing how boards are. The first cutback, bit trickier because you've got a little bit less board to work with. But as the wave got better, I say better, as it got a little heavier down the line, I was able to tag it much tighter off the lip and have a tighter turning radius. And so it, just in that nutshell of two boards, two different waves, you just adapt your approach. There is no, as I'm saying this, I know this isn't the truth. There are those days and it is what I'd call two feet overhead, the Mentawis or the Maldives or somewhere where it's a perfect reef. Like the reef pass is just angled perfectly down the island or wherever the reef is with a beautiful groundswell, no wind, and you be on your lowest leaterage, narrowest tailed, board to try and do your your highest highest ability maneuvers possible there is that and then we'll keep that to one side but i think aside from that which is of course the dream yeah. and beautiful every other surf you ever have you have to a accept that the board you're on can't do everything and then b enjoy what it can do yeah actually is that a text just in from matt biolos saying uh, thanks lads for the uh 
good PR around the puddle jumper and the love you're giving it. And by the way, how about coming on an all expenses paid trip to the Mentawis with me? That's that's very kind, Matt. Thank you very much. Amazingly kind. Yeah, Matt. you shouldn't and have. Firstly, you shouldn't have. Secondly, you should have yeah. because you owe us about a million dollars still <laughs> in revenue from how many puddles we have sold. I honestly think from this program, program, podcast, call it a program. Why it's not? It's a program. It's, it's a program. A, welcome to the, We're in the radio show. times. <laughs> Top five percent of podcasts worldwide. I love you. Hi, thank. Well, there you go. We are a program. But it is this thing where I reckon there must be at least fifteen puddles. Just for me chatting outside of the podcast, not even to do with what we've discussed on the show. So if you are listening to this, look up Puddle Jumpers yeah. in your, you know, your nearest surf shop and just anything from sort of two to four feet. Do you know it's got to be above knee high. It won't longboard. It won't go in nothing. It needs to be getting on for waist. But waist, chest, chest, head high. Oh, there's nothing like it. Yeah. Give your local shaper some love as well if yeah. you can. But um, they're good boards. He makes some good boards. But anyway, moving on from Matt Barlos, you've been to the Wave. I saw the footage, by the way. It was very good. But I missed out. It was a full squad day out as well, wasn't it? There's was a lot of yeah. guys from our local sort of surf crew that went up. And I just was like a little sad face looking out the window. Everybody else had gone out to play. <laughs> and I was just like... <laughs> oh, buddy. Out. I know. But hey, I'm it, back. It was good. And the thing with it is as well, as we've said this before, you know, that surfing is a flow experience. It's one of the reasons why we love it. You know, and what is flow? Well, flow is when your mind is free. There's no thinking mm. and you're totally just in the moment doing what you're doing with abandon, with freedom, joy, without even thinking about, am I having fun? Like, that's the thing. There's no question of having fun. You're clearly having fun. The thing with the Bristol wave or any wave park, if you can get to one, is it is a flow experience. There's no doubt. The other dimension is that you, firstly, it's weird. So you're put in a sort of slightly unique challenge. This has been discussed a lot in, in psychology literature around happiness, that novel experiences, no matter what they are, it's really interesting this, because we sort of have this grandiose idea about novel experience, like, oh, the Mentawis. Yeah. Well, actually, it could just be ride the 6.8 instead of the 6.2, or it could just literally be park in the other car park and walk the other way to the beach rather than the normal way. Like, it's tiny what we need, actually, to create novel experience yeah. for the mind to have this extra flow experience. But the, with the Bristol Waves, you're there and it's so different. So straight away, the differentness of it creates this whoa factor. Wow, what are we doing? What are we doing? And then you're just up and riding. And I, I, my first session had 44 waves. Not only were there so few in, a lot of those people who were in were like waving me through because they were seeing that I was paddle fit and they were like, oh, look, I'm done. Mate, you go. Another one, another one. And it was, it was like four waves per set. Are you sure it was waving? There's another hand gesture that you, if you've not got your glasses on, it might look like waving. <laughs> I expect because it's me. These people were waving at me, but they were using this sort of funny thing where they were sort of almost making a little tunnel with their hand. <laughs> That's actually funny for you, dude. That is genuinely made me laugh. I really like that. So you fucking wanker, you yeah. wanker. And I'm like, oh, cheers, mate. Thanks for letting me through. He's so Lovely. friendly at the Bristol oh, Way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. No, no, they would. Well, who knows on that one? That's actually, oh, hang on a minute. Now I spend this moment contemplating. Did they actually just tell me to fuck yeah. off? Stop catching so many get, waves of being a wave. wave hog. But no, it is a novel experience. It's a, it's a flow experience. If you can get yourself to a wave park, it really is special. It makes you go, God, I wish surfs could be like that. Because in surfing, we're not on our legs. Like my legs were hurting mm -hmm. immensely. Hurting. They were just aching a bit, but to a degree where I've, I don't normally get in surfing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's unique. And you go, but of course you just have to let it go because nature isn't a wave park. Yeah. That's where you start to dial in things like body surfing and bodyboarding and the old fringe surfing scene with the old fashioned belly boards because. There's a seriousness that we've talked about from the very beginning of recording this program, show, whatever you want to call it. Program. And you say, well, whatever you're on, just get in and have a look at how that wave energy is making you feel and all those negative ions that are washing around. And we know that spending time in nature is good for us. So create the novelty yourself. Like you say, you don't have to do something remarkable. You don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of getting to the Maldives or heading out to Portugal even from here in Europe or wherever you go, Bali, you can do it on your own doorstep if you're prepared to try different things, even at your local break and drop the seriousness of having to carry the coolest surfboard under your arm. Well said. We and go. on that front of travel, I think it's also keeping that optimism alive. Yeah. 
because I know we've been through this strange time in history in terms of travel and all these quarantines and this funny bug that's done a lot of damage, but it's this thing where you'll be able to travel again. And it's not surrendering. I think the one thing that's become highlighted to me throughout this thing, and again, we sort of stay off it on the show, is not surrendering to control and fear and, and all of the things that run counter actually in many ways to what is a sort of the freedom of surfing and also the feeling that you take risks to have a good time. It's kind of awakening that kind of side to say, you know, let's not be at the mercy of fear in our lives. Let's still live and have a great time and then look at bringing back hope and unity and togetherness and getting all of the good stuff out of life that makes it worth living. Mm. That's the big thing. Surfing with friends and having different friends with different opinions and having a good time and sort of approaching life with the intention of having a great time while you're here on this sort of spinning space rock. Spinning space rock? Yeah. Well said. There we go. Very Deep nice. Deep enough for you? Very, very, very nice. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. While we're here, sat in Liam's beautiful garden, let's see if we can tune into the breathing and maybe you'll be able to pick up on the sound of some birds in the background. So take a breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. And take a breath in. And breathe out. Take one more deep breath in through your nose. I want you to hold your breath at the top. Take a breath in. Hold your breath. Just notice what you can hear. Keep listening. And breathe out really slowly. One area that I've needed mindfulness of late is with my knee because I've discussed my knee on the show a fair few times as you discussed your back, Liam, and we deal with niggles and injuries and joint problems as surfers because it's just inevitable. I don't know, geez, anyone who's not at least surfed for a few years that hasn't dealt with, with something in the joints, regardless of surfing, yeah. <laughs> regardless of whether or not you put your body through that quite strange activity, because it's a, it's a strange activity on the body, surfing. It's laying down prone on a board or standing up, and it's peculiar. So it yeah. does certain things to the body, and for me it tightens up my back because it's that strange thing on a board. You're leaning up, you're then rotating your arms like this. I mean, there is nowhere in nature where that, happens of course it's natural because you can do it because then there's that whole philosophical question then well what is natural i mean it is natural to a degree obviously and you're in water and all these things but it's just the repetitiveness of it and because it's so addictive we do it and we do it and we do and we do this thing and i i can even see my mate ollie looking at me and cracking up now as i say oh mate i'm just gonna get one more (laughs) what what is one more like it's just how many of us have done the one more and then, you know, half an hour later, you're still in the water. But my knee has been a challenge of late because of the thing that just because of the amount I've surfed. But I remember saying this to my wife a week or so ago where it was just feeling a little bit inflamed from having surfed for a few hours and pushing it quite hard and trying to do cutbacks and top turns and lip smacks and things like really pushing the joints. Yeah. And it's starting to feel like a reasonably just normal response to having pushed this, my surfing thing quite hard. Not just a level surf, I don't really get it then, but I really, really pushed it. And I don't get it at all when I'm in the water. I get it sort of like a after. And it's just an acceptance for now that it's what's happening with my body. And it's about this thing that we've both discussed, Liam. And you said this before about your back. Cost-benefit ratio of surfing when it comes to your body. Because yeah. there's no doubt the body is going to, to a degree, suffer because of surfing. Like it's going to go through a certain level of work and suffering in a good way, healthy way. 
that's going to lead to a breakdown in tissues and a stretching of your ligaments and all these kind of things. But it just is that thing where if you have niggles, it's going to potentially, only potentially, push those niggles. Now, the benefit for me, mentally and spiritually, outweighs the physical cost massively because it's a niggle. But the way we do things, this is how I do things, and it's a mindfulness challenge because it's about self-awareness, is be self-aware enough to know what you can and can't handle on a level of pain because pain is a really interesting idea because that's kind of what it is. It's in reality, there's no such thing as that pain because it's almost entirely interpretive. Now, of course, there are neural signals being sent to the, the area. There is discomfort going on. Of that, there's no question. You can bring that up on a scan. You know, if you are actually doing an ECG and you're, you're scanning someone's let's say tendon, and you can scan that, okay, there is some inflammation here, there is pain here, but how somebody rates that mentally out of 10 is down to the individual, and that's what's so interesting. There's a stop pain, isn't there, when you've done something that's acute, something's damaged, and it's totally your body saying, you don't do anything else with that, you need to rest it. And then sometimes there is a pain that is very much a barrier pain that you push through in order to get the benefits out the other side. And it's where your mindset is around growth of, in this instance, let's say physical gain, as to how far you're willing to push through what is a sometimes a discomfort pain that says, oh, I don't really want to do anymore. There's two different things for me on that, particularly with my back was the same sort of thing, you know. Beginning there was a structural, this needs resting. But then you start to sometimes use that as an excuse to not do things that could, in the long term, with careful management, actually improve the symptoms of that injury in the first place. It's knowing what, which is a sort of an acute emergency stop signal from your body saying this pain's because something's going to go terribly wrong if you keep going and knowing which is the mind one that says oh, I'm a bit uncomfortable and I just don't fancy doing that today and if you can get those two kind of separated then you can make gains and nothing comes you know I think while we're talking about the vulnerability of putting yourself out there and doing things that make you feel slightly out of your comfort zone whether you're trying to improve you know, functionally on from a physical perspective, whether you're trying to get a better surfer, that all no pain, no gain thing is kind of true to an extent, is that there has to be a level of discomfort in order for you to feel the elation of getting through to the other side. So true. Yeah. The satisfaction that comes from coming through a challenge, yeah, physical one, mental, is undescribable. You realize that so much of your or our drive in surfing is overcoming that physical challenge. Yeah. that's involved in it because it's difficult and without the difficultness of it so much joy would disappear yeah if it was just a breeze you did everything you just kelly slater you just even then i think it was stephen kotler who who writes a lot of books around flow and extreme sports and surfing he was an extreme sports journalist and he's really into mindset neuroscience and kind of what makes people superhuman i think that was one of his last books he's very much talks about the fact that there has to be a degree of pain to access the place that then gives you flow state that takes you into that place. And without it, you can't get there. There's a level of discomfort required. I mean, life is difficult, right? But what some of those, what we would see as the elite athletes in the world, like a Kelly Slater, because absolutely pinnacle of surfing and has had success at a lot of things that he's leaned into. I think it was in Stephen Kotler's book, the Superhuman One, that he said that sometimes these people have become so good with getting into that you know, space of leaning into discomfort that when the challenges start to be thrown at them, the difficult things that would otherwise put, you know, let's say, normal people off, they're already leaning into it. So the difference is, is that if they're a sort of marathon runner and they hit an incline that for most people would be the time to stop, the elite athletes are already leaning in and pushing up that mountain before anybody else has even started to consider whether they're going to give themselves a go at trying it. If you can kind of get that mindset where you condition yourself to lean into the hardest of challenges, then it becomes like muscle memory. The next time you face one of those hard challenges, well, before you even realize you're in the fight, you're fighting. And that's kind of one of the, the takeouts I think I took from that book of his was you get to a point where you're already in it before you know you're in it. Mm. And that's what separates sometimes people who are willing to push that pain barrier, whether it's in, I don't know, whatever it is you're trying to do, can be the most basic things. And his thing was, you know, what's your version of your superhuman self in a way? So like we said maybe last time, we'll be walking the talk here and trying to compare ourselves to the recording last week to this week. Mm. Right? Can we just be a better version of what we That's were last it. week? That's it. So if you're trying to improve and push through a pain barrier for growth, 
it's like, well, you're not comparing yourself against Kelly Slater because that would be in borderline insanity. In fact, it would be. You can look to him for tips and advice and admiration and you can emulate, but you can only really compare yourself against how good you were last week or the year before or whatever, wherever your marker of where do I want to improve from is. I always remember my brother-in-law saying once that, or asking me, how can you surf and only get, you know, one wave every 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, who knows, minutes. The return, isn't the return not great enough because he's a snowboarder? And I said to him, I said, that is exactly why surfing is so special. Now, it's also what makes wave parks really special too. Because <laughs> it just flips the whole idea on its head. You'd wave after wave after wave. But normal surfing, five minutes, maybe yeah. 10, maybe 15. Now, if you're really lucky and having a great day, or I dare I say lucky, I, I prefer the word blessed. If you're having a blessed day, a wave every two, three minutes is possible. Mostly, it's a wave every five, every 10, every 15, or whatever within an hours, two hours type of session. So let's call it what? Six waves, 10 waves, and maybe only out of those eight or 10 waves, you might've only ridden three to a longer distance with full calves and cutbacks and snaps and stuff. And the remaining lot were just more kind of floaters and closeouts and who knows. So the return on your investment as a surfer is way, way lower in terms of actual being on your board up and riding than skateboarding than snowboarding mountain biking etc and that's why we love it it's one of it's but i think the biggest one the scarcity because scarcity without scarcity why and how would it become and be so special exactly it's special because once you're up and riding on the wave of your life <laughs> it is so special that's what we love and when it comes to ocean conditions where you know, so you take yourself out of the wave park equation and you say well the same beach the same break wherever that reef, point, beach, whatever it is, can be so different day after day. Well, particularly with beach breaks, you know. It teaches you in this kind of uber-connected world in which we're in as well, the value of kind of patience and waiting for the best things to come along. That's unusual now in for a lot of the things that we, even wave parks have given us instant access to a shreddable, fun, flow-inducing wave. Whereas if you're at the mercy of the elements, well, you can't just dial up a wave on a Saturday morning and it be like three to five foot and perfectly glassy and clean and powerful. So you are almost kind of, you know, weaving your own enjoyment into what Mother Nature is prepared to sort of gift you on that particular day. There's something in that. I think that's the magic as well mm. that creates a kind of enforced patience. Mm. And if you sit with that, that's kind of getting comfortable if you like with the frustration and the uncomfortable side of waiting for something mm. which is what so we don't do a lot of these we, days we do stuff. not do a lot of it and it's really interesting you mentioned that because it gets me thinking about all the things that we instantly want and food being one of them is another one like you know we don't necessarily wait until literally saturday night yeah. to have a treat we'll have oh I'll, I'll let myself have it now it's tuesday night and you're like come on mate it's tuesday night put the dark chocolate away yeah you know don't even have a square You'd be not, spying not, on me again. <laughs> I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not then saying let's live like monks, but I think that surfing teaches us surely that the best things in life are those things that you wait for and have patience that, that you know, you, you, um, what's the Guinness advert? What's the line that well, he waits? You know, what, do you remember the yeah, advert? And that's surfing, isn't it? But you can relate it to, I mean, Jesus, you know, in your relationship, you might not be able to make love for a, a while but then when you do it's going to be so special like it's a bit like if you haven't had that bowl of chocolate pudding stuff that you like to make you know you haven't had it for a week right you have it on a saturday night you know it's that waiting for stuff and when it comes bang absence makes the heart grow fond there right? we go and it's all that stuff i think there was a heinz ad for ketchup because it used to come out of a glass bottle i think it was that as well so the best things come to those who wait and that whole philosophy got pushed out the window so we are in a always on instant gratification world and sometimes that runs entirely counter to mindfulness. In fact, it does. There is a sense that, as well, is that the more that's available, the unhappier you become. Mm. So abundance, far from or instant gratification, far from creating joy and flow, almost reverses it. So you become more agitated because things aren't fast enough. We live in so much of the distraction because so many things are available so quickly that you can't focus on anything. The idea that you have to wait for surf sometimes is a good reminder that we're not in charge. Really good. And the last one on that is actually is another food one. It's related to fasting. 
fasting is a great example of how the waiting for a wave is what makes surfing so special so when you wait for food it makes food more special all those things when you have that delayed process for it before you have it delayed gratification really works it does it makes it so much more i say enjoyable it's just that when you haven't had something when you then have it what is that you know when you've been waiting for a wave you haven't had a surf for a week i don't know what or whatever it is but when you have something is it the reminder of how good it is or does it taste like does the dark chocolate taste sweeter does the wave feel more exhilarating like what is that i think it's like anything isn't it 100 percent. whatever it is that you love doing if you have an enforced break from it the very first time you do it again is going to feel almost like the first time so you go for me you know i love a beer will that's my achilles heel it's a whole food i keep saying that i'm going to push that <laughs> it's three ingredients but if i like do a two week break from it say and then I do something where I feel I've earned that sort of what I would see in my mind. That's my treat, let's say, whatever it is. It feels a lot better than if you go back to back every night of boozing. And in fact, even if you love something, if you keep doing it to the point where it becomes detrimental to your overall physical, mental well-being, it's going to ruin your relationship with the thing that you previously loved. And I think you Sounds could true. probably apply that to anything. Yeah, it's so true, mate. So true. Dude, second number three. Well, I'm looking at the battery counter on our little device here as well, and it's got one bar. But if it goes kaput, we'll just have to start again. <laughs> we'll have to start again or just put out what we put out. We are the sound kooks, aren't we? We are the sound kooks. And can we the battery just, kooks. We just give another shout-out, though, to Pete on the UK surf show. Yeah, yeah. Both actually, Leighton and Pete are great guys, but Pete is the sort of sound man. He's a very kind, patient human being and has sent some great advice to us in the last uh, couple of weeks so thank you Pete thank you so much Pete a true legend really really such a lovely guy yeah. Mind Body Stoke things Liam and I have been working on with the mind and the body to raise the stoke for me there's always loads of things that I'm working on but I like to pick out one thing that's made the biggest difference in my week and for me it is resistance resistance la resistance la resistance Stache. you have to say that in French don't you, you have to say it in French yeah. terrible Maybe. Maybe. Resistant starch. What is resistant starch? Now, if you don't know, uh, I'll explain it in layman terms. The word resistant means that the carbohydrate, the starch, is resistant to being digested by you in your stomach. You don't digest it in your tummy, like normal food at all. It's resistant to that, so it becomes undigested. It remains undigested until it hits your small intestine. Your small intestine is what digests it. It's very, very unique. It's the only thing on the planet that is digested by the bacteria in your small mm -hmm. intestine. Now, that can be incredibly beneficial because what resistant starch does is it feeds uh, what are called burate-forming bacteria. So these are bacteria that feed off resistant starch and form a byproduct that's a fatty acid called burate. Now, burate, according to Mark Hyman, I'm just going to read this out. Oh, I, I okay. like him. He's good. Mark, We like Mark Hyman. Dr. Mark Hyman, please check him out. Very, very good functional doctor, really easy to listen to, got a great podcast as well. So getting resistant starch into your diet, which we'll talk about where that can come from in a moment and what it does, but this is what Bure does. So doing this also increases beneficial bugs that crowd out the bad ones. Those good guys produce what we call short chain fatty acids, which provide your colon cells fuel. Burate is one such fatty acid or butrate, which can prevent cancer, speed up your metabolism and reduce inflammation. Doing this heals your gut while preventing leaky gut drives food allergies, inflammation, and weight gain. So basically, the health of your gut really is the health of you. We've talked about this before. What can you do to aid the health of your gut? Well, it's probiotics and it's prebiotics. However, this is a really, really big one. In a problematic gut, in a gut that's been and had difficulties, things like antibiotics, inflammation, autoimmune conditions, IBS, etc., etc., signs of arthritis, etc., when you've had issues with inflammation, it's probably coming from your gut. That's what science is showing us now, that the gut really controls so much of what goes on in our, in our health. Now, if that's gone on, if you take on loads of probiotics, it can actually feed the wrong guys in your gut. So be very careful is my advice. I've researched this enough over 15 years to see that probiotics in a gut that is inflamed and has had issue is not a good idea at all. And that's what really, really flies in the face of conventional wisdom. Oh, get yogurt in, get probiotics in, make sure you buy a probiotic, make sure you eat sauerkraut, etc. No, 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 no. That can actually be a real problem. It only can. So I'm not saying then warning you off probiotics at all. 
So can prebiotics. Now, what do prebiotics mean? Prebiotic means pre-bio. It means pre-life. It means it will feed. The fiber that you eat is a prebiotic. So you get like fiber in, for example, fennel is a fantastic mm. prebiotic. It feeds the bacteria in your gut that's already there and helps proliferate bacteria. Yeah. So you're not taking in pro, you're taking in pre. It's the bit before. It. It's the fibers that feed your gut. Now, resistant starch is the ultimate of all the prebiotics because it feeds that healthy bacteria in your small intestine, which produces this butyrate fatty acid byproduct, which I've just discussed, which has this amazing mm. effect on your health. So for example, if you have joint inflammation, it can help with that. If you have a foggy brain, it can help with that. If you are sleeping poorly, it's anything where you can reduce inflammation by benefiting the healthy bacteria in your gut is going to be an incredibly good idea based on the research and experience that I have. Here's the kicker. Start small and work your way up. So the highest and richest form of resistant starch there is, is potato starch. You buy it in a bag. People often use it for thickening sauces and that kind of stuff. Corn starch is another one. Another one is cooked and cooled potatoes. Cooked and cooled rice, particularly white rice. Oftentimes, things like gluten-free crackers and gluten-free breads are very high in resistant starch because they don't use wheat flour. They use things like tapioca starch, potato starch in their ingredient list just because that's what they have to use to make a gluten-free bread. So it's why a lot of people actually, interestingly, can feel like they've got a gluten intolerance or gluten sensitivity because when they go to a gluten-free bread, their gut really improves. And actually, it's not necessarily mm. because they've reduced the gluten out of the diet. It's because they've actually just ramped up the resistant starch yeah. content of their diet. So there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of nuance. What I would say is do your own research. So Dr. Mark Hyman. He's well worth following. Well worth following. Yeah. Do some Googling, do some researching. Like anything, there's no magic bullet. You've got to test out the waters. For me in my gut, I have to be very, very small in my doses of resistant yeah. starch to get the right benefit. But to cut a long story short, I knew I needed to get back on a bit of a gut health thing since my holiday, and I've started adding it back in. It's had a great effect on my guts, therefore my health. It still hasn't sorted out my knee by any means, but I think that's mostly because I've been just been surfing too much. Well. <laughs> but it's been mentally very good for me as well. But overall, my brain has felt very, very good. Mm. I felt a little bit leaner because it helps with your metabolism as well. But it's get the dose right. What I've noticed when I go a little too much, so when I go beyond a tablespoon of potato starch, bang. I get constipated yeah. within literally like a, you know six hours. So I have to then bring the dose right back down to half a teaspoon to a teaspoon, two, three times a day. And it has this amazing effect on my, basically, I've been doing great shits. Oh, well, that's lovely to hear. So that's what we want to hear on this show. No, well, I love a cold potato, you know. And um, There we go. And cold rice as well. I'm a big fan. And that's what, I mean, Japanese food's really good for that. You know, I love sushi. Sushi, sushi great rice. Great form of resistance stuff. Amazing. Amazing stuff. I mean, nothing too much to add for me on that. I mean, I do have a fairly good resistant starch diet then in many ways do, without yeah. even knowing about yep. it. I'm trying different things. I'm sort of trying to sort of work out where the intermittent fasting comes back into my sort of body regime. So diet plays a huge part of that. So trying to eat clean when I do eat, still very whole food based, largely. The crisps have gone, which will be either good news or sad news to some of the listeners. It's reintroducing things for me like, you know, alongside the old the stuff that we're doing Anyway, you and I will like kettlebell training and, and sort of some resistance training from the point of view of weights. So resistance start, resistance. Resistance. And for me, I'd taken a break from the cold showers. But they're back because especially with all of the sort of stuff that was going in my household last week, I wanted to kind of try and ramp up the immune system. And cold showers really can help with that or it's certainly worth giving it a go. So I'm back into that and that's making me buzz again. I'd probably had about three or four months without doing a cold shower therapy. And now I'm back into it. My mornings are much more sort of dialed in when it comes to working. And there's been a lot of that recently as well. And I'm also trying, I forget the name of the, I think they're based in North Devon, these guys, but they make mushroom MCT oil coffees. They blend coffee uh, with MCT and a variety of mushrooms. I've got a lion's mane batch um, and ashwagandha, And it's absolutely delicious stuff. I think they're called Cheerful Buddha. I think Andrew Cotton and his pal Blakey Bay got a connection with them, but it's really good stuff. I thought I'd give it a whirl, and lovely it is as well. Very nice. I just watched Fabulous Fungi oh, it's a on Netflix. What a show. Very, very good documentary. Brings me to that insight of just mushrooms in general from what you said, and wow, what an interesting world that is. And a real world as well, isn't a it? A serious world. Yeah. And in this country, still illegal 
to microdose psilocybin. Now, that is the strange world we live in because the world we live in is this kind of this red pill, blue pill, okay? We have the Matrix analogy coming right now. It's coming to cinemas this Christmas. Can't wait the for new, the, new the, new, the new one. Now, red pill, blue pill. Now, red pill was like, do you want to find out the truth? Blue pill, do you want to just follow along and just, it's all just whatever. Don't ignore it. Sweep it under the rug, under the cup, da, da, da. Because pharmaceutical industry, government, controls so much more than we realize when it comes to supplementation, foods, oh what you should and shouldn't eat, what you can and can't take, and yada, yada, yada. And it's only in this country recently that cannabis, which has been proven to be a phenomenal aid to people in pain, that's been allowed to happen in only in the last few years. And you think, geez, people have been getting that in them since the 70s, 60s, 50s, you know, whatever, but just for pain management, not using it as some kind of crutch to uh, emotional difficulty, although all drugs can do that, obviously. Yeah. But psilocybin, which is a molecule found in magic mushrooms, yeah. is incredibly beneficial to mental wellness and increases uh, alertness and focus and loads of things and you still can't get access to it i think we'll probably do a show on this because mm. there's a whole show on the super benefit of a lots of plants and things that we have had for a long time in different parts of you know let's call it sort of traditional medicine aubrey marcus is very good at talking about this stuff there's a guy actually who i've sort of had some contact with this week who's really interesting i buy some of his vitamin c supplements they're really really good although they're out of stock at the moment matt Jarosi, he runs this elevide uh health company and he puts out some great stuff as well he was talking about mushrooms the other day the whole thing of you know what in nature can help you access you know higher states better states more functional states there's lots of things out there but if it doesn't make money then the big business has no interest in it right and uh i mean there's another kind of topic as well but if organizations like the fda are marking their own homework on behalf of pharmaceutical companies then there's little to no interest in them saying that something that there is no profit in works, right? There you go. Even if it might help one person sort of alleviate the symptoms of uh, dying of pretty form of aggressive cancer, which I think is at the end of uh, Fantastic Fungi. They, yeah. they touch on the use of psilocybin for that. Actually, the film, if you want to go and watch it, is not just about magic mushrooms and psilocybin, is it? It's about the phenomenal connectivity and history of fungi or fungi or whatever you want to call it. It's a brilliant, brilliant show on Netflix. I'll put that in the show notes. Really, really good. And it's just so amazing what you can do with your mind and your body if you have the tools to do it. And I'm sure as the years roll on that we'll have more and more of those tools to come. And if cannabis was made technically, I guess, legal now in many ways in this country, is that right? I know for sure from my research that in the Netherlands, you can just get psilocybin you can get magic mushrooms you can get you certainly can't hear access to magic mushrooms in this country you have to go and forage magic. apparently near us there's a secret spot that has magic mushrooms and just a disclaimer do not go foraging I, for mushrooms I, because as good as some mushrooms can be there yeah, are others that will kill you instantly. literally kill you in a second so it's an interesting world the world of fungi but i tell you wow it's powerful stuff just do some googling do some research do some Looking it up. Look into it. Look into it. We sound like a right pair of old hippies there, mate. Dude. That's kind of the image that was put on people that were trying this stuff back in the 60s, right? Or even came into the mainstream then. Let's say it's been used for hundreds and hundreds of years in different sort of parts of the world. There's an easy tag to put on to people then who have tried this in the past. And uh, yeah, and we're coming at this from people who haven't really sort of indulged in that sort of thing really so we you, you go but there is lots to be explored in terms of ways of making people feel better holistically and naturally big time and i've just got to finish on this aspect of supplements because three of my favorite supplements for surfing of all time for the performance of it mentally therefore physically in terms of enough energy but not so much that you actually lose focus that kind of clear focus we all want not jittery is obviously caffeine everyone knows that one already but interestingly with it studies show that beyond two or three espressos actually more caffeine doesn't have a beneficial effect it can actually almost have a detrimental effect because it makes you more dehydrated and all that kind of stuff but the other one is l-carnitine now i remember you taking l-carnitine about eight months ago or something like that and you couldn't actually get out of the water because you had too much energy you had so much energy to burn and you i think that a five hour I did, yeah. mental session on carnitine now carnitine 
works in cyclical a cyclical fashion i found with clients and myself if you've got like a big three hour surfing big waves coming up great use it but if you just keep using it all the time for like this high energy surf and like extra fitness and like you just you do feel a bit more superhuman you do those effects are obviously going to wear off no matter what you take could be psilocybin could be carnitin anything the adaptation always kicks in like for example if you drank five coffees a day you eventually you just your body just gets well used i think to... i think that's the research for coffee with athletic performance isn't isn't it if you're going to use it for significant athletic gains in your athletic performance then you need to not have it for a period of time so when you then dose up on caffeine it has the effect that you are looking for but if you drink five cups of coffee every day and then you try and do that for a i don't know a big cycle ride or a marathon it's not going to have the same effect big time and then the last one so carnitin caffeine and then the last one is uh, just bcas branch chain amino acids and i honestly don't know the exact science of how carnitin i know that what it does is it helps your helps you access more of your metabolic burning systems your mitochondria is the basis of your metabolism and i know that when you take carnitin it helps in that mitochondrial process of burning more fat so you end up being able to utilize more fat than normal for exercise i know that's how you get more energy from carnitin but with bcas i don't actually know how i just know that it is mentally and physically a very very cool pre-surf and post-surf for recovery training aid worth looking up all those guys if you want to boost your surfs and do what liam didn't go for five go, hours go like a 10 year old like mental grom star for five hours it's not happened since but i've i'm ready to go back in the water now i'm, re- I'm, I'm itching to go but i guess you haven't taken carnitin for a while would you could you take it for your next one and see if you get a little yeah, I've been taking it for about six no, months. I, I could do a little I think, go on it. I think what happened was I started to balance up my energy levels for surfing, and at the time wasn't probably as fit or strong as I am now. So there was a little bit of a dialing up, leveling up of things I needed to do to enable me to surf some of the waves we were surfing at the time. So who knows? Maybe go back to it. But yeah, it did feel feel very good. But we were also training quite heavily as well at that time, so it really helped. Moving on, yeah. segment number four: Surf Media Insight. Um, Ben Gravy, who we've mentioned a lot of times in this show, uh, great guy, got a great stoke about him, the whole vibe. Um, check him out if you haven't. He's been in South Korea riding what is the same technology. It's the Wave Garden technology. It's the Korean waveboard. In fact, I don't actually know that for certain, but I can almost guarantee it must be close because it looks so similar to our wave in Bristol in, in England. And what I did when I watched it was immediately did that silly thing of comparing and you look at how he hits that first section with his his fish and you go, wow, I'm just so, so far from being able to do that. It's really humbling because the way I'm doing my turn is not even remotely close. Now, a few things. Firstly, have I surfed as long? No. Do I get access to the waves he has as often as he does? No. Am I him physically and athletically? No. So it's all these obvious things, but it just was that thing where I watched him doing it. Now, it's not like I was hard on myself or got down on myself or anything like that, but I did just have that moment where I kind of looked at it with more of like a technical eyes in terms of like, how, like how is he generating that bit of that power when he does that? Because is that to me something I'm not capable of? That was what I was actually interested to think philosophically in my head. I, am I physically not actually capable of producing that level of athleticism under that kind of turning of the knees in that angle because it might be the length of my legs and the strength of my legs and the flexibility of my ankles and dot 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 but as we well know we don't actually know the answer to that yeah because you have no idea how good you can get at surfing and that's what we love that's so much of why we do this this thing and so i, w- I looked at him at the wet his wave part because it's so similar he was on the intermediate setting at the beginning and he was just on his quad foamy and he just did this slashing turns and then kind of like doing this thing where you hit the bowl so far that you then end up turning around like yeah. a 360. Yeah, I've seen him do that. And I'm that. going, oh, am I surfing too safe at times? I feel like I'm staying in, in my comfort zone quite a lot of the time. Well, I think this is useful for us all to bear in mind, I reckon, when you're watching the sort of stuff that we watch and consuming the surf media insight bit. And Ben Gravy is one of those guys because he's a very relatable surfer. So you think, oh, I can surf like Ben Gravy, but he's actually a very, very good surfer. But the thing is... And I think it sort of relates back to the whole principle of how do you get better at stuff. Ben Gravy's practicing that stuff every day of the week where he can, because that's his job, right? So if you're working on a building site, if you're working in a bar or you're working in an office or you're working wherever, 
and you only get to surf at the weekend or you only get to surf occasionally or you get to go to the wave park if you're lucky once a month. You're only practicing that time and you don't want to waste the time you've got by trying too many things sometimes. There's a sort of mental block. But if you could do the things that Ben Gravy's doing every day in the same conditions with the same equipment and the same coaching, of course, available to everybody. It's so so don't give yourself a hard time. So Will. don't give yourself a hard time. Get on your resistant starch. <laughs> Get practicing on your foamy. Don't give yourself such Get a hard Get a load time. of people to basically call you a wanker with their hands. Yeah. And then just, life's good if you think those people are waving at you. It, it, That's how I sort of do it. Completely. Happens total, to me in traffic a lot. They say loads of people, is bliss. People wave to me all the time in traffic. <laughs> you fucking wanker. <laughs> oh, hey. Nice to see you, buddy. Yeah. Dad? Oh, it's you. Oh, yeah. He would do that to me, yeah. <laughs> right. Any surf media? Not really. I think in the last sort of, uh, what, we, we didn't actually put a show, I did, because we, obviously I've been sort of uh, out of action. But um, no, I mean, Ben Gravy, I watch anyway, so we just talked about that. And I've sort of been floating through sort of Instagram stuff, really, rather than, which again is good and bad. And looking at some of the stab stuff that's out there, um, I forget who it was, and I'll have to dig it out for the, but I watched this clip where there's a guy, and I think lots of people posted it. He dropped in to what looked like he was just going to go over the falls and, and absolutely, you know, wipe out of the century. And he managed to drop into this wave and ride it through one of the hairiest sections that I've ever seen. I'll find the clip and I'll stick it in the, uh, in the show notes. So I've just been sort of cruising that, really, and um, generally feeling like I've been missing out. But hey-ho, waves are back tomorrow. There you go. Hopefully we'll get to go. And then there we go. Back in the groove. Back in the groove, baby. And listen, guys, we hope that the sound was okay today. We've had people mowing their lawns and cutting down trees and doing various things and birds chirping on, in the background, but... Yeah. We hope that the levels have been a bit better and the sound's been a bit less stereo-like. And we'll get there. One in one speaker, one in the other. Yeah. And we will get there. We'll keep getting better. Yeah. But thanks for joining us again and we'll um, see you next week. Nice one. Bye.